0: Hi there, and welcome to the 3rd Impact Anime Podcast, where we talk about anime, video games, and conventions, with a healthy amount of existential dread mixed in. You can find out more about our podcast by following us on Twitter, at TI underscore anime. Thanks again for stopping by, and enjoy the show!
1: Hey everyone, before we begin this episode of 3rd Impact Anime, a bit of a heads up. While recording this episode, we had a bit of technical issues during the recording, so you may hear some voices drop out or some less quality audio that you would expect, but it shouldn't hamper the enjoyment of the episode. Enjoy! Enjoy!
0: Everybody. Welcome to another uh, episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. Uh, I'm Austin, here uh, with a great crew of people. As always, I've got Tobias with me. Go, Tobias.
2: Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm
0: completely sorry, me. I promise I won't yell as much this time. Okay, we'll see if that actually happens. We got Bill. Hello. Nice, alright, so today uh, we have a topic that's very near and dear to Sully's uh, heart, and uh, it's called Excel Saga, it's a series that came out in the very, very, very late 90s, um, October of 1999 to be specific, but we'll get into that in just a little bit, Uh, but how are you guys doing? Uh, What's up everybody? How is um, everybody's stuff going? I guess we'll start with Bill.
1: How's your stuff? Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, is I found this wonderful program that I think our wonderful Facebook group should totally check out. It's called Anime Music Quiz. Oh. And okay. uh, my friend Michael found it. And it's, it's a really fun time where basically you can get into a group, of, a small group or a large group of people... Where you are given a set of uh, openings, inserts, or closings from different anime, and it could be from any time period. And basically, you are trying to guess where the show, uh, what show is that? Mm. And it's very customizable. Where if you just wanted to do anime from the 1990s, you could do that. If you just wanted to do the openings, you can do that. You can also link your Mal account. So if you have a MyAnimeList account uh, and you list the shows you've watched, it'll just pull that completed list and just do shows that you've watched. Um, I find it really fun, and I think uh, the Facebook group and us among the the podcast crew should definitely play it. I had a blast, and as someone who loves a good quiz... I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: And for the people listening at home, what is it called once again?
1: It's called anime music quiz. It's free. Uh it's all one word. And all you need to do is just set up an account. Sweet. Which is just, which is just your email and like a username. And there yeah. you go.
0: we should so definitely fun. play that. That sounds like a lot of fun.
2: Yep. Yeah. So what have you been up to, Tobias? Well, I've kind of changed uh, gears myself, Uh, finally kind of out of convention hell, uh, wrapping up my, what, uh, one, two, three, four, fourth or fifth convention with Triad. And I've got about a two-month break uh, before Animazement. So I'm taking that time to submit a whole bunch of new panels to Animazement. (laughs) So, yeah, I sat down today and submitted a whole bunch of, uh, you know, stuff that I want to run that I've already got, and we kind of brainstormed some new ideas. So I'm really excited about spending my free time working, uh, as you do.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I've really, I've been kind of uh, catching up on podcasts. I've kind of got back into this mood where, I, like, I remember that podcasts exist. So uh, <laughs> I've actually been really enjoying uh, catching up on doing, doing some a and AWO. And uh, you, the one you just introduced me to called anime is lit, yes, uh, that seemed really interesting. But like after, well, after listening to the drunk Ava episode and the narration episode today, like I'm really, really in love with the way they're able to to discuss this stuff. It's it's a uh, a really you know educational and informative view on like how we view these series, and it, I mean. At this point you guys know that I'm really into the technical aspects and the more, you know, the whole filmography aspects and that kind of thing of, of the actual animation process. But, you know, I really also really enjoy like the more literary, you know, aspects of anime and storytelling anyway. So to to have, you know, these people that are much smarter than me talk about this stuff in an intelligent manner has been really refreshing and a new take on on this this hobby.
0: There's Go so ahead. many different ways to approach like, you know, uh big quotes anime criticism whatever it is that that means and that could that could be like a very technical thing like animation based or you know like individual based and like visual style and stuff like that but you know these are also stories as well so it's it's good to hear it from like all of those all of those perspectives and that's kind of the direction that they tend to lean towards so it's it's really fun and refreshing like i like listening to those folks
2: right exactly mm-hmm. and uh other than that uh after watching the Nintendo Direct from a week ago, and yeah, you know, kind of being really excited for, of course, Smash Brothers and uh, you know a few other games that are coming out, ended up picking Splatoon 2 up. Uh, kind of sitting on that for a little bit, but barely played a little bit of that single player mode so far. Kind of really excited to jump back in and enjoy uh, being a Squid Kid again. Hmm.
1: Mario Tennis hype.
2: Yeah. You can be chain <laughs>
3: Chain Chomp. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I often wonder, like, you can also play as, like, a blooper in one of the Mario Party games. I'm like, who, who, who is standing for the blooper or the Chain <laughs> Chomp? Like, where are the Twitter fans who are just, like, pouring in Nintendo, being like, where are these characters? Why are they not playable? <laughs> Who's doing
2: that? <laughs> I mean, I'm just still waiting for the open, the open world, like, Waluigi game.
1: <laughs> <gasps> yes.
0: Waluigi Odyssey. <laughs> Yeah,
2: I would play that
0: so much. <laughs> what are you up to, Sully? Um, so my, my plan
3: last week was, since it was spring break, I was going to go home and sort of use it as a, a way to de-stress and just sort of like get away from, you know, papers and research and stuff like that. And I spent a week in a drafty farmhouse in rural North Carolina with no hot water and the internet going in and out, so my plan to relax and catch up on anime and read some manga that has been seen on my shelf and not being read uh failed and then when i came back i had all of those papers and researches and all that just staring me back in the face so i've had to like hit the ground running and i am very exhausted
0: Let this be a lesson for summer break and fall break and all that whatnot that whenever you're at UNCG, don't forget to download your episodes of anime and put them on your iPod Classic and then go home and watch them.
3: (laughs) Which is how I watched Excel Saga the first time around. So it's all kind of going through (laughs) circle. Excellent. um, (laughs) Right now, um, I'm, I'm trying to space out the stuff I have to do as part of class and research with stuff that's fun so like i'm listening to a lot of podcasts again which i hadn't been doing i last time i like had like a podcast marathon was over the summer i used to take walks around the neighborhood near my old apartment and just like listen to podcasts for like an hour or two during my walk and now i'm like at the gym like at six in the morning listening to like anime nostalgia or listening to an audiobook or um Right now, the podcast I'm really into that I've kind of like caught up with is uh, Mike Nelson from Rift Tracks and, the, uh, and Mystery Science Theater, of course, and the head writer from Rift Tracks. They are reading, uh, they started reading Ready Player One and doing a sort of a snarky pseudo book club where they read it and... Uh, I, I am a very ardent supporter of literature. I don't believe any book should be burned until I read this book, and now I think that's the one piece of literature we can all agree needs to be completely and totally wiped from the human record. <laughs> so Because not- there is there- – There's not a book in it. It's literally a Wikipedia, like, he went to every Wikipedia article for every piece of media created within the years 1975 and 1999. It took every trivia section from them, strung them in order, and then put, like, a very flimsy amount of a plot in between those trivia sections and called it a
1: book. So it's a Family Guy episode.
0: Oof. I would not even give it even that much credence. So, Sully, you're saying that the entire body of work of Ayn Rand can stay, <laughs> but Ready Player One needs I to be I had heard.
3: to read uh, Anthem, and I had a, a counselor who told me to read The Fountainhead. And Ayn I would Ayn. say even Ayn Rand... Ayn Rand. As cold and heartless and horrible as I think she is, has at least some sort of sociological, anthropological, or critical reason to stay within the literary canon. I could not find a single one of those that could apply to anything
1: Ernestine has ever written.
0: Man, <laughs> that is that is a that is a red hot take. <laughs>
1: Oh, I'm I'm on fire now.
3: Oh, that's that's amazing. <laughs> and now let me talk about Excel Saga, which I will
1: defend. <laughs>
0: Bias, do you want to introduce the series, and then we'll we'll let Sully go ham?
2: Yes. So Excel Saga. Where do I begin with Excel Saga?
0: So Space, the Final Frontier.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's
0: the
3: voyages of
0: starship the... across.
3: You could think... begin either with like the manga or the anime because they they are very different.
2: Yeah. So just kind of give me the basic like Wikipedia version here. Excel Saga. Was originally a manga that started being serialized in 1995 in Young King Hours, which is a uh, monthly uh, magazine, I believe. Started back from '95 and uh, continued to run. I think they were releasing the last couple of issues of the tankobon in 2011. Just kind of skimming over this article here, so it ran a lot longer the manga series did than I thought. Uh, I was buying a couple of these issues back when I first saw this in like 2006 or seven. And yeah, I thought it was done at that point, but it was still going on much after I had forgotten about the series. Uh, the anime uh, started airing in late 1999. So sort of the last possible moment uh, of that decade, this was uh created by JC staff, which has worked on a whole bunch of stuff. You guys want to talk about JC staff here for a second?
1: I do. Sure, yeah. Uh, I've had a, I've watched a lot of JC staff shows, and most of their oeuvre that I have seen have a tinge of romance, and they're very tied into romantic plots. So to 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 find out again that this was Excel, that this was made by JC staff. Kind of blew my mind. I know JC Staff is a big studio, but I don't picture this as their as part of their canon.
2: Just kind of skimming over their stuff, there. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of work under their belt, and I mean, myself, I can't really see them having a particular uh, style in the same way that like Gynax would, for instance. Because I've got some of the early stuff is is Slayers, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maze, wow, I haven't heard of Maze in a long time. Uh Utena. Utena. Yeah, Utena. Here we have this here. We've got a whole bunch of stuff Azumanga uh, right after Excel Saga for instance. Yeah, I was going to
0: say uh, like it it seems like there's a there seems to be kind of a uh, I would probably from around that time period Azumanga would probably be the most appropriate peer to Excel Saga from that studio. Though a lot of these series that I'm reading right here I have never even heard of to my yeah. discredit i guess they've actually
3: done two of my uh very early weeaboo day favorites um descendants of darkness which is sort of a terrible uh it's been described as a gateway drug to shonen ai and then uh doki doki school hours which is that series um. that uh, everyone makes fun of because it's on my bookshelf, and I have no reason to, for it to be there. And I'm like, it was cute when I was in high school. So they've—I mm. I never really realized until I looked on this list for this episode how uh, I've kind of floated in and out of their uh, their uh, ooze, as Bill put it. Yeah. So
1: I've, I've watched that darkness. It was on Netflix for like a million years.
3: It was- it, I watched it when it was on Chiller, when they had their <laughs> Anime Monday that they took from Sci-Fi, and uh, that was one of the few uh, avenues I had to watch anime at that point in my life. So. Um and I wasn't I I didn't really know what Yaoi was or what like boys love was and I was like still trying to I was still like kind of awkward and closeted so watching I was like they seem like really good friends and <laughs> uh, it, yeah
0: very close cousins right
3: right yeah just like that mm-hmm.
0: and but, to to give it a little bit more grounding in uh, in the modern day J C Staff has worked on stuff like Shimaneta Prison School Flying Witch. Yeah, food wars. Wars. and most recently well yeah most recently Children of Whale or Children of the Whales which just launched on Netflix like yesterday so know, they've man. also done One Punch Man they're gonna do season two which I'm a little oh, bit scared yeah. about because Madhouse just like they really knocked it out of the park with season one I don't know how JC Staff's gonna handle if it mo- if Knob shows up in One oh, Punch my, Man oh <laughs> my gosh
3: please <laughs> Yeah, It'll be maybe so the only great. person that can be that can beat Saitama,
1: of course. <laughs> M- maybe it's just my friend has been showing me the wrong shows. Then let me come to the JC Staff's over.
0: I mean, so definitely what you said is a part of it. That's for sure.
1: But anyway, to back to Excel Saga.
2: Yeah, so going back into that, there. That I mean, that's the studio. We go back to the original work. Uh, this the manga for this is you know very infamously Riku Tokoshi. Which, if you've watched at least the first thirty seconds of Excel Saga, you've already heard this name at least once. He and is a major character in yeah, many he, regards. He's, he's he's his own like the the manga creator himself appears in the anime as a as a you know, a parodical version of himself. And looking at his work, I mean that's primarily what he's known for. I would say other than that, uh, he has illustrated a work called Pandora and the Crimson Shell Ghostern. Which I don't think really took off, but it's one of those things I at least recall hearing about.
1: Uh, yeah, about an anime original a few
2: years ago, yeah, yeah, I did get an anime version on here. Original idea by Masamune Shiro, which is really interesting, but I haven't really caught up with that myself, so can't really speak to the quality uh, of that. Uh, but back to the anime itself, uh, that was Jumichi Watanabe, not to be confused with Shinichiro Watanabe. Uh, of Cowboy Bebop and Shamari Shampoo and a bunch of uh, other shows, and uh, again, I, the like the director of the anime himself appears in the work, just like Koshi does, which is uh, another sort of big a, a a big aspect of the show itself.
0: Dressed as an Afro-clad Lupin the Third. Yes, he dresses like that in real life. As, and that's the same color
2: as you do. Yeah, if you go to his, he Wikipedia he
3: does it so that he can stand out and get attention. I'm like, well, I mean, mission accomplished.
1: If you go to his Wikipedia page, it's that outfit. Uh, that's his profile picture of him with the. Red I flag.
3: I never got to meet him or speak to him, but he did go to animes. But I saw him, and I was just that was like a cryptic sighting for <laughs> <laughs> anime is real. <laughs> I had them watch the first three episodes of the series because I knew that, like, having them crown all of Excel Saga in a few weeks, they would hate me. Um, yeah, I don't believe Tiffany it. Grant plays a, a character yeah. later, and.
2: Um, i just kind of skimming. I don't recognize any of these other names right off the bat. Uh, in the English, uh, Excel is played by. And Larissa Walcott. We have O'Plaza, Jason Douglas, played by Monica Real. And the Minchi by uh Hilary Haig Hogg, mm-hmm. probably should pronounce that last name. Japanese Minchi's played by Satomi Korogi, who doesn't. Well, hey, we got oh god, yeah, there's a lot of work here. She she was chi and She Sweet Home, appropriately enough. Uh, we've got Frosh and Fairy Tale, That's uh. True. What one episode of Nichi interestingly enough, uh, she played Togepi, P, P, C, Pichu, and Mogamon. In Pokemon, she is a sexy, uh, ah. po- 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 po in episode seven, the first part. I'll have to rewatch that knowing that, that that's Minchi, <laughs> and she also plays Chuchu in Utena, so she has a, uh, a diverse animal cast under her belt, <laughs> and that's. Pretty much from there. And I think that's pretty much all to talk about the, the, the statistics for this show. Uh,
3: cool. I think we're kind of beating around the bush to explain the plot. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: yeah.
3: Is, there, is there I mean, the manga, the plot is a little more straightforward, but in the anime, uh, it's uh, taken even more off the rails than in the original
2: work. Just like pornography, you don't watch Excel Saga for the plot.
3: You really don't. Um, he. Excel saga is essentially about Excel, whose last name is also Excel, and He's... how she works for the ideological organization of a cross, which consists of her, her boss, Il Palazzo, and one other person who gets introduced in the second episode, Hyatt. and that... how they're going to attempt to take over the city of F in F Prefecture, because it'd be much easier to take over yep. one city than take over the entire world. They're going to do it in increments. Um
0: I mean, that's only reasonable. It's only
3: reasonable. I mean, it makes sense. That's, that's how you have it. That's setting reasonable goals for yourself. And mm-hmm. the entire series, both the manga and the anime, are, is a sort of parody of uh, life in 90s Japan after the economic bubble pops. But more so in the manga, it's more of a, a commentary and a satire in the manga. In the anime, it's more making fun of genres. Each episode is a. Uh, We have Rikuto saying I give the permission to turn Excel Saga into XYZ genre of an anime. So the second episode is space. And then there's a B-movie military film. And then uh, I think my favorite episode is the one either where they do the dating simulator or when they do like bootleg anime cell distributors in America who (laughs) all speak very stereotypically. And. Bizarre. Yeah, I forgot about
2: that. That's a good
0: one. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Tobias. Oh, we're well, going to go to the next area where you're going to branch off of. Yeah, a little bit. Mine was more of a broader question, but you, you can go ahead and jump on. I'll, I'll ask it in a minute.
2: Okay. So, Sully, so give us a little background about yourself and Excel Saga. Like, when did you when did you discover this series? Oh,
3: God. Um, it had to be at least around, like, 20 10 because I was still in high school when I watched it um this was as we alluded to before my method of watching anime at this point in my life was I my my background was very conservative I was what we watched and played and stuff that was very heavily monitored and um so anime was kind of what the weird like hot topic kids watching so I was kind of like not allowed to watch in the open so I would download episodes illegally don't do what I do kids and uh, put them on my little first-generation iPod that my grandmother got me, like for my like 15th, 16th birthday. And uh, I would go home because at my mom's house, my parents are divorced. We did not have high-speed internet. We had dial-up until I had graduated from high school in 2011. We still had dial-up. Um, so I could not watch anything with dial-ups. I would download them at my dad's side of the family who did have high speed, but they monitor what I watched constantly. So I had I could not watch something there. So I would download put it on the iPod, go home and after school, I would have like three episodes of three different series and I just watch them and you know kind of continue from there. And Excel Saga was one of them. And I think I heard of it just because it got mentioned in a few internet jokes on some message board that I had been, like, browsing at the time. Right. The colors and the humor kind of intrigued me, so I think that's where I kind of got into it. And Because I wasn't keeping up with seasons at that point. I didn't even know the concept of anime seasons. So I just watched whatever I kind of stumbled upon.
2: Right.
0: What about yourself, Tobias?
2: So, back in the day, I discovered that there was a thing called anime conventions that where you could go to these places where you could talk about you know, these, like, Japanese cartoons with like-minded individuals. So, like, I just got out of high school, like, just, at, like, two, three months in college. And, like, I decided to go to anime week at Atlanta. First, like, you know, adult trip, you know, uh, you know, trip outside of going with your parents to vacation whenever. So, do all this planning, go to AWA. Like, I get there, and, like, at the time, I had, like, a really crappy car. So, I ended up taking the bus anyway. And we get there. I got a hotel that's like a mile away from the convention center. I end up walking to the to the convention center because, you know, Uber wasn't a thing back then. And I was already like, uh, like, grouped by the first taxi we took getting there. So ended up walking to the hotel, the convention center. So I show up. And at that point, like, it's, it's September, but it's not quite, you know, it's, it's not quite autumn yet don't have that nice breezy autumn. Uh, so it's it's pretty, pretty hot, pretty humid. You know, this is Georgia after all. The Showbiz Convention Center, I'm like already kind of exhausted from the walk, you know, really, really gross and sweaty. So we get there, we get our badge, already really like flustered because, you know, you're really excited for this kind of stuff. And we were can, you we, flying we, we, solo? I, I was with a buddy of mine from high school. Uh, we haven't really kept in touch at all, but we just kind of decided to go do it together. So it was me and one other guy. Like we just got our badge. Like we had the you know that pack full of the the schedule and everything. We're really excited, and so we sit down in like the main hall while we're waiting for the opening ceremonies. And they're playing this pre-roll, this like random anime, and it's the daytime episode of Excel Saga. And I will never forget that because of that moment. It was like the first anime I watched, first convention I ever went to. And, like, I'm I'm kind of trying to pay attention to the schedule, try to, like, get everything organized. But, like, I'm also trying to watch this goofy, this really goofy, datesome, like, parody deal. And, I don't know, something about that that moment just kind of struck me. So much that I immediately went to the dealer's room, and I bought the box set, which I probably shouldn't have done, because that was, like, 150 bucks, which back in 2005, didn't really to sneeze at for a college kid. Still isn't anything to sneeze at. But, yeah, that was one of my first major purchases. Uh, yeah, i make anime convention. And it stuck with me for a while uh, afterward. Like, shortly thereafter, I discovered, you know, broader internet humor and kind of grew out of it eventually. But, you know, that initial shock of Excel Saga, I think, will always kind of stick with me to some degree. Uh, but I, I mean, I really like that itself. It was a really great parody. And I feel like that's one of the strengths of Excel Saga. We could go into more to it in a little bit, but like, it's very good at parody and parodying the genres that it does. Uh, Bill, have you seen it? Yeah, I I
1: think that was my experience with Excel Saga is very similar to yours, Tobias. Um, I discovered it at my first anime convention, which was in amazement. I think in probably 2008, 2008 or 2007. Okay. And, and um, it I I. Going to an amazement for the first time, I was really overwhelmed because I didn't really know that much. and Yeah. And there's all this stuff going on, like the cosplayers and the different booths and all this. I mean, so the first thing I did uh, when I got in there was go to a screener room, and they were playing Excel Saga. And I think they were playing the second episode, which is the space sci-fi parody right. episode. And the thing that got me attached to the series, and is just one, the absurdity of it. It's very much kind of in that British style of humor. Or is, we're just gonna do quick cutaways and just keep moving on, and it, it doesn't really need to make sense. Um, and also, the as you said before, the parody humor was really funny, like the opening and of the parody of the Star Wars opening. <laughs> uh, where I was like, I get that reference, and <laughs> it it just I started laughing just nonstop, um, and it's one of the few anime comedies that I can say uh, that I really enjoy, and that's rare at this point <laughs> in my fandom, where I, I could probably count the a number of anime comedies that I like on my hand. <laughs> hmm. Uh, but uh, just kind of re-watching re-watch- uh, it, just I forgot how manic and how fast it seems that each episode seems to go. It's it, uh, a good comparison would be it's it's kind of like when you're a kid and it's Halloween and you eat all the candy, <laughs> you just, have a, you just yeah. have a sugar you just have a sugar rush, and that's kind of what Excel Saga to to me is in a nutshell it's, it's a sugar rush of you're just going so fast and that's kind of uh, Excel of a character. <laughs> also, just with how fast she's talking and um, what she's trying to do. Exactly.
2: How about yourself, Austin? Have you actually watched this?
0: Um, so the first time I watched it and I, I have not seen the entire series just very little of it um, the first time I watched it was when Sully did a presentation on it um, maybe probably about like two years ago at a Japanese club in uh, in college and um he showed uh, did you you showed the first episode I right the, did
3: you... the first episode and i showed the dating sim episode because that one just makes me laugh so hard but i kind of forgot that if you don't see the two episodes in between it you get a little lost so i had to like pause and explain it and i showed it on hulu so it had ads in between <laughs> which people needed because
0: they needed that breather. <laughs> oh man when when commercial breaks come in handy um but, um, yeah, that was the first time I saw it and 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 watching it for the first time back then, I thought like some of my initial reactions were, I think I saw this way too late because by that point, like my tolerance for like early two thousands digi paint looking shows was just like,, eh, I don't I don't like looking at this, so it yeah. it was not a yeah. very visually pleasant experience, I guess. And um, we watched the English dub, and that really just sort of grated on my ears and most most of the time like nine out of ten times available i will probably watch it and i will probably like it um but this time it just it didn't really do anything for me but um going back just a couple days ago and watching like rewatching the first episode for the first time which i surprisingly remembered a lot of because i kind of had subconsciously forgotten a lot of a lot of it um Watching it again uh, in the Japanese version, I enjoyed it a lot more, because, like, Excel still kind of gets on my nerves, because she's so manic and whatnot, but I appreciate it a lot more, so I guess this episode will kind of be uh, you guys sort of trying to convince me that I should watch the rest of it, If if, if you're up to the challenge. I'm up to it. I'm, I'm almost like adamant that this is a modicum of respect. <laughs> I get that. and yeah. um, I, w- I was thinking it thinking of like whenever I'm watching it, I was thinking of it in the mindset of, of us now living in this sort of uh, pop team epic like anime culture right now and how a show like this is probably ripe for a you know uh, a comeback. Uh, in the a uh, you know climate right now because it and pop team epic are very they're very very different but i their spirit and i think people that are you know younger and are just like now getting into anime comedies with like pop team and stuff like that maybe if they go back and check out excel saga there might be something there for them
2: well i mean excel saga already did get a sequel fairies <laughs> i thought it was called Puny Puny yeah well, we'll talk about pretty pretty well a all of that which is something that the tatami galaxy does as well to great effect uh you know in its whole uh you know in the whole way that it tries to tell the story but uh when we look into like what they do here and just have the voice actress just do whatever like that's pretty much what they do in good of good fairies uh just have this like get the voice actresses really intoxicated and have them <laughs> just kind of narrate their own Little shtick with it, and it it really works. Good uh, to good a phrase is one of those things that certainly won't be everyone's cup of tea, just like poppy and epic. But it it's yeah, it's going to be similar weird humor vibe to it.
3: It's kind of funny also that you mentioned the English dub because the actress for Excel lost her voice doing it. I mean, not on her. Um, <laughs> and surprised. I, if I had to introduce someone to the series, I would say watch the sub because. um it does go so fast, and you would think listening to it in English, you would be able to pick it up more naturally. But because it does go so fast, you really just can't let it process. I'm like, if you read the subtitles, you're kind of taking it in a lot easier. But And I just put in the DVD and had it on. I had the English version, so I didn't have to read subtitles because I was just you know, not half paying attention to it. And um, I think the sub is much better. Even though the performances in the dub are really really superb. I think Monica Gall is she's one of my favorite voice albums and I love her version of Hyatt because there's almost a sort of smarming into it very, very deep in her performance that she kind of knows that she's better than everyone around her.
1: Cadence that Westerners don't seem to have of that kind of that talk or that kind of very uh, in your sort of acting that doesn't seem kind of hammy, but in, for some reason, Japanese. Actors
0: seem to be able to pull it off. The, uh, the Japanese actors being able to comprehend the material
1: a bit more.
0: Because a lot of uh, Japanese humor is like wordplay based and like cultural reference based and stuff like that. They're able to work with that more because they are, you know, native Japanese. Reading the manga is I think the manga has
3: a more streamlined sort of... Uh, Story compared to the anime, where I uh, wishing pretty much that this is my my train and we're taking it wherever I feel like taking it. <laughs> but um, because there are so many cultural and even political references, you I have the manga right here and I look at the, the there's like two pages of footnotes between the footnotes and the manga in order to like to appreciate it. And you get better with it, more familiar you become with what he's talking about in Japan. But if you're not very up on like Japanese politics or history or uh cultural norms of that time period, it's very um hard to
0: kind of to get
3: into.
1: Mm.
0: Fair. Um I don't know if any of you guys have watched it. Probably Tobias is the most likely to have seen it. But um have you guys seen Magical Shopping Arcade? I've nope. seen like the first
3: episode.
0: Okay. Well um judging by how Excel saga is Having watched a um, Magical Shopping Arcade probably about a year ago, um, you would probably like it a lot. It's it's a little bit more um streamlined. Like there's sort of a there's more stronger like narrative threads in it and character threads. About in like two thousand four, so not not. Pop Team Epic. I, that's
3: just one series where I get a lot of people like it, but it's just not my brand of humor, and it's so weird. I it fell so much because the only a series I would want about it. Uh, I think I love it's nostalgia. You have a lot of options with anime, a few titles at a time, and try to just jump into the blind. Right. So I think part of it is just I, something I kind of didn't do by artists. I think because it's so colorful and has real sort of point to it, that there's something almost
0: nihilistic about it that I do. <laughs> Anything, I'd be like, gosh, I know that reference. Wow. <laughs> now it's sort of like, oh, there's a reference. Oh, one's coming out. Oh, God.
2: Time to drink. It's <laughs> it's
0: kind of, it's, it's the balance that the genre has
3: between genres. Like, like every episode is, we are going to take the plot of it and retell it through this genre that we pick, whether it be Harry, soap opera. Have you um, and like? Or because he's a huge fan of that, and like in the final episode, uh, like, <laughs> and costumes. <laughs> so, um, thinking about like, so I think when we talk about the humor, we have to talk about like, as, when we we particularly watch it, um, how much of it is random to us because we are um not in that culture and didn't grow up with that context um and how much of it might make a little more sense to a Japanese audience because I think the the humor of Excel Saga the manga which is is present in the anime is more of a a cultural political sort of uh satire talking about like especially with the three roommates who live next to Excel and Haya um Watanabe Iwata and uh the guy who looks like so much like a guy i knew back when i was watching this it's not even funny and like has that same sort of attitude (laughs) it's very weird but um they're sort of these representative figures of you know the the ronin roaming shiftless japanese youth of the late 90s where you know the bubble has popped and they're kind of in this hopeless situation and then they themselves later in the series where Austin didn't watch, but maybe Bill and you Tobias kind of got to, they become this super Sentai parody, which was sort of the spark for Excel Saga because he wrote a, a doujinshi that was basically these characters, or at least a rough draft of them doing the same thing. This idea of the, the bored civil servant being more than, you know, what they really are in their everyday life.
0: Whenever they first showed up, my first thought was like, oh, it's nice to see the uh, cast of Otaku no Video decided to show up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But then it seems like, at least by your definition, it's more like the cast of Welcome to the NHK shows up, and then they become um, Samurai Flamenco. I mean, that's probably a more apt description of it, honestly.
2: (laughs) I want to watch that show.
3: Um, Which one?
2: Just that, like...
0: Oh,
3: okay.
2: oh. He, he <laughs> keep the and
0: that basically is the
3: show at <laughs> that one point. That is true,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> well, um, just just replace um uh the cast from NHK becomes samurai flamenco with just the cast of NHK becomes horrible and depraved, and that's just NHK. But
3: um when you read the manga, you get more of a sense of this sort of listlessness and this sort of anger because Rikido is a very interesting person. Uh, He was a doujinshi artist and uh, if the first volume of the manga is anything to go by, he he writes like the introduction to the original volume and it's half of him, like him as himself speaking and half of him saying that he's a furry artist who's like trying to pressure his other half of himself to draw furry art. It's very, uh, he's a very (laughs) odd sort of like... He kind of has his finger in the weird, creepy otaku world, and then half of it in the more the political, uh, satirist, more uh, suitable for public life face. It's very He's a very interesting person from the tiny bits of information you can kind of glean from him from either his work or the internet. Actually, sorry,
1: funny fact. Okay first I, I think it's either him or the director of the Excel saga where this is at a con- at a convention and the voice actress for azusa from idol Master was there and she is very pretty and I, it's a video of her doing a q and a and it's i think the manga uh, artist of the Excel saga going like oh please let me let me that's, kiss you
3: that's disturbing and i i am very uncomfortable
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've
3: always yeah, had like a really weird discomfort towards Rikdo though, because even though I do enjoy Excel you so he can tell that he uh, he has some proclivities because it is there are some moments where it gets kind of sexual and sort of uh, weird.
2: Yeah, yeah but
1: just, just kind of that dark uh, otaku. Uh, I thought I would, based on what I saw. I can't find that video anymore, but
2: it of, an of
1: a of a of a darker. Of a kind of a darker talking
2: moment, but kind of like going back to like you know, some of the other aspects of humor as, as as we enjoyed it as Westerners, you know, we talk about how the humor in some way has it really aged well in some regard. But I think it's important to look at at the time itself. So when I first watched this back in 2004, like I was still really enjoying like really awful web comics. That was the height of you know Mega Tokyo and Aiba Theater that kind of awful humor that we were digging up online and uh you know it's really kind of struck a chord this this was lol random xd before that really became a meme in and of itself and compared to more modern stuff you know like Joe or pop team epic these shows this these comedy that operates on a whole different level like galaxy brain levels of comedy <laughs> you know it's, it's something we don't really get much anymore and i think it hasn't really aged well t- to some degree But it is important to look back at it again this came out in 1999 uh brought over here in 2001 like that in itself was you know a a meme over here in the western fandom for some time i i would
1: say like the the comedy uh and the absurdness of it that really depends on you i think the barrier to entry is going to be the the art style (laughs) that's in the anime Mm. like um He's the leader of a cross, El Palazzo. Yeah. Oh, thank you, El Palazzo. At least El... we think
3: until yeah. the end of the series.
1: <laughs> like basically, if I were to describe him, is he's, personality-wise, he's Gendo from Evangelion, and he's <laughs> uh, he's a Rob Liefeld drawing <laughs> <laughs> with, with with his with his big shoulders and. His big hair and like I don't think I ever saw his feet. He's he's a rob I felt And the, I, the big I, shoulders
3: I, is like this bizarre, like elaborate like epaulette thing that he wears. And it, he there's an episode where he's in like just without the cape and he's actually quite normal looking. And I do not understand the purpose or the function of the huge shoulder pads. <laughs>
0: Whenever I first saw him, uh, it didn't occur to me until just now, but he reminded me of like an like a hair metal version of uh, Ovan from G.U. I don't know if you guys played that game or not, but he looks basically the same.
2: And I think they even referenced that at some point. Like, there's a I think it's the days of episode where he starts to try to learn to play guitar, but he's bad at it. Yeah, like, he oh, was yeah. doing like a visual a visual K band, and they just like yeah, <laughs> he would he could totally fit in a visual K band for sure. Yeah, in the he first episode
0: in the first episode you see him like fiddling around with a guitar and it's just like he's got like a book open that says like guitar for idiots or something yeah. similar to that
3: yeah, much yeah. of the of the show um we we have little cuts to ill pull up so what he does to spend time while excel in high- to running missions it's usually stupid hobbies there's one episode where he spends the entire episode uh making a chain of dominoes <laughs> And they get ruined at the very end and he just like has like a meltdown because that's why he spent the entire time, like the entire 24 minutes doing is just dominoes. And it's kind of a joke that he is this huge ideological leader who has literally nothing to do with himself.
1: And I don't think really cares about the mission that – his group is trying to accomplish.
3: (laughs) Well, in the manga, he's from another planet, but in the anime, uh, he's second to that man who is this mysterious force that uh, is sort of compelling the narrative that when Nabashin sort of takes over the the main A plot of the story and Excel and Hyatt become kind of secondary characters despite getting most of the screen time. It's a very weird way it's done. Um, I know that when I showed the first... Two, or not the first two, the, the two episodes in Anime Club or Japanese Club at school, um, a frequent joke afterwards became the character of Pedro's Sexy Wife, who is named uh, Pedro's Sexy Wife. That's her official title. Uh, <laughs> and I'm here to finally drop the, I've been sitting on this for a while, drop the spoiler that the Great Will of the Macrocosm and Pedro's Sexy Wife are one and the same in the anime. Whoa.
2: Whoa. So,
0: so you just, you just, you've just had your world rocked, Austin. <laughs> Man. Well, you know what? That makes episode two, like a little bit less uh, jarring. Cause I thought, you know, I hate that Pedro like accidentally cheated on his wife with the universe, but I mean, glad to, glad to hear he wasn't as unfaithful as I expected. It's all about perspective. It's all about how you, how you interact with the text. So I think I think this gives you know a lot more weight to the phrase "my wife is my universe." <laughs> I mean, quite literally. <laughs> um, and I think going back to like the idea of
3: humor, I think one of the reasons that this series appeals to me personally is when I watch Pop Team Epic One. I'm an old person, so like the beef or chicken joke just flies over my head, and I just don't find it funny—not even like in a like Beckett sort of way. And I find this sort of like postmodern, post-postmodern uh nihilistic self-loathing meme humor that's kind of come out in like the last three or four years is just very unpleasant and uh, miserable and as much as I hated the lol so random humor when I was growing up you know as a teenager I kind of miss it because it's like it was so hopeful we we were we were we were cheerful you know towards the idea of oblivion as opposed to now where you know just a random string of words and non sequiturs is somehow funny in a cosmic way
0: i think a lot of that too is like you you'll probably mention this too tobias that pop team epic makes a lot a lot of referential humor that is not the typical fair and it's like referencing some really really obscure like japanese live action fandoms and stuff like that that just cannot possibly be funny to us unless it's explained. I mean, and you know, the old idiom of like, if you have to explain the joke, it's not as funny, but it, yeah.
2: that's sometimes true, so. I mean, I think it feels like it does that. It's just that because it's now a decade further and we have a different experience and otaku culture now, we get more of that humor. Because when I watched this, I had only barely seen Galaxy Express 3.9. I kind of would understood the Matsumoto reference in episode three, but it was more of a visual, like, that's really jarring that their faces are so different and this this you know, the visual style is very different. It's really weird that when they hit the pooch, they get this very serious face with the thick eyebrows, you know, lol so random. But there there's like a whole bunch of references and a lot more smarter uh or I should say more smart humor like present than just than just that in a lot of ways. And I feel like that's kind of the same way with what Pop Team Epic's doing, is that we just haven't Got to that point as a culture where we understand, you know, what, what the whole beef or chicken thing is, or you know, all those references they throw at you. I mean, sure, they're a lot funnier when you get those when you get them, but there still is a weird, like a weirdness to it. And I feel like Excel Slog and Poppy Epic do embody that together. And You talk about like nihilism, and like, like sure, Poppy Epic is a lot like that style of humor that you know, quote unquote, shitposting posting style of humor is definitely more nihilistic, like. We have that in Excel Saga, too. Like you, like, you mentioned that their economic state is is very depressed. We have the you have the three Ronin and how they're... They talk about how depressing their situation is with, like, the, I think the straight man is Watanabe, correct? Of the group? Yes. And, uh, like, the other two just always show up and try to, like, steal his food, and they don't really understand how serious their situation is. Uh, we have, like, Excel in the first episode going to kill this guy, or she just breaks in and is going to cut this guy down. We have like the two aspects of her conscious, like the good Excel and the bad Excel, like show up to convince her to do this or not, and like she just ends up like I think the good Excel arrests the bad Excel, or yes, or I love Excel. it. Like
1: as a little visual guy, the, the good Excel murders the bad Excel,
2: <laughs> yeah, oh, and then oh, right. gets arrested <laughs> <laughs> by the police Excel. So <laughs> like there's a lot of that. It's it's a different it's a different setup, but it still has very similar. Uh, sh- I guess, I don't know if nihilism is is the right word, or more of like a negative outlook on, on life in a lot of ways as well. It just does it in a very different setup.
3: And uh, just to add some context, this, I just decided after, you know, the show being out for like, what, a month or so, to look up the beef or chicken joke and have it explained to me. Apparently, uh, asking beef or chicken is similar to saying, are you a man or a mouse in Japanese? So essentially, the airplane stewardess is inadvertently calling out uh, Popko's uh, toughness, and so now like, that joke is humorous to me, and I can go,
2: oh, aha, funny. Well, see, it's funny. It's not even, like, the end of it. So, like, that was, we all understood, like, the joke was, you know, like, do you want a beef, as in, like, do you want to fight, or are you a chicken? But that's, it, that's not even that. Apparently, it's a commercial. Like, there's some commercials where they say something very similar to, like, a specific type of meal. I don't know if it's, like, a, like a microwave meal or something. I have to look it up. But it's, so it is, like, a whole different other level that we're reading it incorrectly, just not having that same uh, context. In I want to say like episode five or six, there's a there's a weird Steamboat Willie joke from the manga that doesn't actually make a visual appearance in the anime that requires like two or three different like understandings of how like Disney is portrayed in Japan. It's, it's really super complicated. And, you, and you're right, like you kind of have to have that background or it just seems like it's just lol random in some ways and,
3: and i think again that goes back to like how do we as western viewers interpret or recontextualize um japanese humor because when i when i and I, I don't want to focus so much on pop teen epic in an right. Excel saga podcast but when i hear the beef or chicken joke it reminds me so much of like those tumblr posts like the conversation or the chat posts where it's like someone says something and someone's like oh thank you i owe you my life like that exaggerated like a simple everyday question becomes you know a very dire melodramatic or non-sequitur thing and that humor just really annoys me for some reason i see it as so very common and so easy to replicate and um i guess that's what turned me off to as i'm oh this is this is kind of internet humor where we're just going to take everything to the nth degree because everything is pointless and nihilistic, and I'm not really here for I mean, that. I mean,
2: don't, I don't think Puppy Ememics really does that. It's more of the style of the weird, just the weirdness. Like, if you look at all the different SpongeBob memes that come out, like, every single week, I think now it's the one with Patrick with the weird, like, WIs or whatever. Like, it's more toward that, where it's just, let's just do something really out there and visually striking. Uh, you have the whole Hellshake Yano thing the bit there, and that's that's awesome on its own level, but it's just like you sit there for five minutes're wondering what the fuck did I just watch? Did they really just do like a like a flip note animation about this dude named Hellshake Yano and it works it you know if you're into that, but it's yeah it's it's very out there
3: um. And like I was saying, that's the idea of recontextualization. Like, the people who didn't understand the joke, like, how – but they still find it funny. Like, how do they – where do they derive humor from? And uh, and going back with Excel Saga, like, uh, me and you, Tobias, I guess we watched it in a similar time period, like, yeah. and enjoyed it. So what does it mean for us to get humor out of this if it wasn't made for our consumption? Um, I- are we reducing it? Are we are we recontextualizing it? Are we um, seeing just the in insisting something is humor, do we find it funny even if we don't understand it? If I say it's kinda like that thing from evolve, like this is the only reference I can think from fairly odd parents and one that tells Cosmo pudding and he laughs and the word pudding is not necessarily in and of itself funny, but by putting humor onto it in with an inflection we, we see it as a joke, even if we don't get a, a setup or a punchline.
2: Right. Bill, uh, Bill, were you going to jump in?
1: Yeah, I was going to say I think one other thing that makes it different is when Excel Saga was made, we lived in a monoculture mono where um, there, was, there wasn't there was as many rabbit holes as there, as there are today with the internet. And so the references are much easier to understand because they're seen by everyone, like uh, the Star Wars references in the space episode, or uh, the <laughs> the whole idea of the of the cosmos and it's a kind of a what, what do we do with it? Whereas with pop, the ethic, even though I I still haven't watched that, shame on me. Um, you're gonna go down more rabbit holes because there's more, the culture is so spread out at this point with its own little niches and long tails.
0: And that kind of works in the other way, too, because, like, a lot of things that would be easy to reference in, like, a worldwide culture, like Star Wars, for example, it's just low-hanging fruit at this point.
1: Yeah. I I I mean, the Star Wars
3: joke is not even a joke anymore, because it's just, someone saying may the force be with you is is almost like saying there's no place like home or you know out of all the bars in all the world like it's just such a common phrase that it's it's not even a reference it's just what we say definitely part of yeah.
2: that part of our monoculture i feel like another way that it is different and differs from you know 2018 comedy is that excels longer lies more, more like physical gags yeah yeah so when we like uh we look at like star wars you're right like it's so prevalent in like worldwide pop culture. But another thing I think that works in Excel Saga is that a lot of the humor is just like physical gag humor. So even if you don't really understand the references, like if you don't really know who reiji Matsumoto or you know, his works like Galaxy Express or Captain Harlock, a lot of the visual gags still make sense and are still funny in their own right. So when you see this cute little yellow creature get popped in the face and it's suddenly this really serious Go-Go 13-esque face, it still hilarious on its own right. And Right. I don't think I've ever actually actually sat down and played a visual novel, much less so the datesum, But there's a lot of stuff that, like in the datesim episode, that it just works as anyone who's ever touched a video game, you know, that really crude sexual humor as well. That's yeah, like it, when you compare it to again, like 2018 comedy, that operates on this galaxy brain level of just weirdness absurdity. It's definitely more accessible, I would say.
1: And physical comedy, by its nature, is more universal. There's no exactly. cultural ba- there's no cultural barriers because physical humor came out of the the, the school of pantomime.
3: Yeah, uh, I think some of the things that make me the laugh that make me laugh the most in Excel Saga are just some of Excel's walk cycles that are just <laughs> uh, her loopy arms and uh, wiggling like like snaky body that she sometimes has. It's just so funny because you kind of get a real sense of who she is as a character and uh, when you when you animate a character, or when you as an actor put a lot of physicality in how a character moves and sort of interacts with their environment in subtle ways, I think a lot of great humor comes from that.
0: And it seems like a lot of the anime comedies that really click the hardest with the uh, like the worldwide community, like stuff like Nietzsche Joe, and to a degree like FLCL. Like a lot of it is very, very physical. Um, and like like what you said, Bill, it's like that's something that seems to resonate with audiences no matter where you're from, no matter what cultural background you come from. Or even relying less on maybe cultural
3: references and more just critiquing the human condition. I mean, I think one of the reasons Osamatsu-san kind of hit with in the US the way it is because it's about them being neat. They are, you know, kids who live at home and have no jobs. And what is our generation kind of dealing with is that and yeah, um, that, that, that sort of universal idea of failure or not living up to an expectation. Um, the way the, the trio who lives next door to Excel and Haya are all kind of, you know, they start off without jobs and they get menial, you know, government jobs. It's, it's something that happens across cultures and is very relatable, making fun of that as opposed to it being necessarily a strictly Japanese commentary.
0: And on an even more primal level, level than that, it's like, oh ha, I felt pain before. That character just experienced pain. Ha ha ha. I
3: too have had a goggle face on when
0: I get got hit. <laughs> Very I mean, relatable. It, it happens to the best of us.
2: But enough about Welcome to the NHK. Austin
3: <laughs> awesome, since uh you often expressed a uh, pain while watching this show when you uh, gave a few little live tweets here and there. Is there anything about it that, like, really was off-putting, or you it didn't click with you, or like you just disliked, or you thought could have been done better?
1: I art guess. It...
0: <laughs> What's that?
1: Sorry, I was just, I was just gonna say the art style.
0: Oh yeah, um, that probably most primarily, um, but um, like not really honestly I think I was doing it mostly to just get on your nerves so love <laughs> you Sully because um, like honestly I did find myself giggling a little bit at, at a lot of the jokes not everything clicked with me but I guess my major complaints and it seems like this is what a lot of people have an issue with that apparently just gets better as the more you watch is that I I don't find Excel particularly interesting or that funny like none of the none of the jokes that i laughed at in the show were directly related to her it was our, it was always something else like outside of it and um i think from what i've seen the show kind of does like i like i like a lot of push and pull comedies um and stories in general that are funny like for them to have like these manic exciting for a little bit and then bring another manic exciting you know sketch or scene out of nowhere and then chill for a little bit and this one is just very rapid pace all the time and that's not really super my humor style but um, I, uh, I, don't, I I don't I mind it a lot less this time around and I think that that is just me sort of conceding that no I don't really like the art style but that's okay and then just having already you know gotten through the initial hurdle of first impressions just sort of being able to step back and, and reflect on it a little bit more and be like I need to give this a a second chance.
3: I'm not so mindful, mindful, I guess is not the best word, but what I'll use right now, of the art style. um, It doesn't bother me that much, maybe because, again, nostalgia, and too. I view it as a product of the time. For me, it's almost like saying, you know, how how dare a movie be in black and white before color? I mean, I know there is better-looking anime from this time period, but I see it as... Back then, we wanted eyeballs that extended off the sides of the face, and we wanted hair that, you know, was translucent, and you could see, so that's just all we asked for in our character design. <laughs> I,
1: I, I guess my issue with the art style is it's more to do with, um, uh, it, it, give, give me a, give, I'll give you a dollar for every time I don't get a character name, leader of a cross.
3: Il Palazzo.
1: El Il Palazzo. El uh, Palazzo. Is just his his the the outfit he wears is just to be is very jarring and I, I'm not a fan of that. And I think one thing I would advise for someone who's new to Excel Saga is I would not go and binge this.
3: No, I, I definitely <laughs> wouldn't binge this. I didn't binge it. I watched it like two or three episodes at a time uh, when yeah, I was able to get it
1: because it's so high energy and it's so manic, it wipes you out. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, just just watching it, and not that's not not to say that that's bad, but I would just I would just say if you, unless you are have a very manic personality or very high energy, I would say just take this as a piecemeal. Like it's it's like candy. You don't want to eat all the candy in one sitting, <laughs> yeah. or else you're just going to be hurting the next morning.
0: Uh, let me add just like a quick addendum to my criticism. I think. I don't think it's necessarily the art style, but just the way the show was made. Like that very early two thousand, eh, early two thousands. Generally, does not age like everything from that early two thousands, late nineties digital era.
2: Let's actually touch upon that here, him You know, we talked about you know the contextualizing everything and that time period. So, what other stuff was coming out in? the end of 1999.
0: I am glad you asked, but I just closed that tab, so let me open it back up again.
2: Austin. (laughs) Austin.
0: Uh, You're fine, you're fine. Okay, I got it, I got it. All right, so in fall of 1999, uh, we had the premiere of this little show that we've never talked about called One Piece. And that first came out in the same season as Excel Saga. It came out... Uh, just a couple weeks after after Excel Saga first premiered. Um we yeah. also had the original Hunter Hunter coming out at that time. We had the second season of Initial D. Wow. Uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> I mean Initial D is one of those things that I don't want to say it hasn't aged well, but it is aged in a very interesting manner.
0: Yeah. And not so- like a fine wine.
2: <laughs> it's got a style.
0: And something that sort of was, you know, carrying over that. Um that cell animation aesthetic and hadn't moved to digital yet. The Big O came out then. So All it right. it still holds up pretty well visually. Um the great classic Zoids that some people
2: will mention every now and Woo! again. Love Zoids. Blue Gender. We've got Steel Angel um, Karumi. Wow, that's that's so they that's like one of the first <laughs> few things I watched anime club back in the day. <laughs> and Digi Shira? Wow.
0: Card Capture Sakura was still airing at that time. Detective Conan obviously has never stopped. Um, Pet Shop of Horrors OVAs came out in 99. Which, what was that? The Pet Shop of Horrors OVAs. Oh, oh, gotcha. Huh. A prequel OVA to Legend of the Galactic Heroes, Bill.
1: Oh, Tournée Gundam.
0: Oh, Jinro.
3: Ooh. So it, it has some uh some uh ratif- or uh rarefied company in in its premiere. I've also see there's apparently um the Gregory Horror Show anime that came out in 99 and I'm wondering if it's like a very bland rocky horror
0: ripoff
1: <laughs> Oh, I I want to see the anime version of
0: Dr. Franken Greg. Yeah. <laughs> Greg, Greg and Furter, exactly. We don't talk uh, about him much. <laughs>
3: um and, and like you said, the Excel is very much of its time. Um the manga came out in ninety-six and then the anime was it came out in ninety-nine, so we're in that weird, like, transitory period between um when anime was like leaving cells and going to digital and when the art styles were, were changing. I mean, it's kind of funny to hear people talk about like, oh, all anime looks the same. And now at this point in my life, I'm like, no, you can tell the eras. And this is very much of the time where I said, you know, eyeballs go off the face. The hair is over the eyes, but the eyes are still there. You can still see them. Mm-hmm. Um, every, every girl without exception has had the one little fang in the corner of her mouth. um it's very much that which is how character designs were and now you know 10 years from now we're gonna be complaining about um everything looking the way it does now
0: everybody's eyes looking like way too good everyone being very Soft. soft
3: and they all have the same body it's like every anime character in the last like four or five years has been made in the same character creator
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because like excel saga exists like halfway between like slayers and like clan ads so it's like a like oh a prime God. like a prime midpoint of uh of like big old eyes stupid hair you know I love Clan Ad. Me and Bill were talking about since he's rewatch
3: or he's watching it, that I should rewatch it. We should talk about it. And as much as I love that series for it being the first slice of life I watched, the first anime that made me cry, that animation, I will admit, I don't hold much to Soulja for because it, it did age terribly. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I always hated The Cockroach Girl. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're, who we're... was it that got mad that I called Nagisa the Cockroach
0: Girl? <laughs> Any um, number of people. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I've I've just alienated half of our fan base. <laughs> really, we're going to get a lot of
0: hate mail. <laughs> I hope so. Send it. I'm,
1: I'll be excited. Not or, anime on, at prove me wrong or change my mind.
0: <laughs> Alright, do we have anything else you guys want to jump into before we wrap this up? Austin, would you recommend Excel Saga? Being that you're the new one. Uh, I don't know. Uh, just I guess it depends on the person. Um... I'd have to finish it before I can answer that question, so I'm gonna pass. Are you going to finish it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if I finish it, it'll take me a while. i'll I'll take the bill method and be like i will I will eat the show like candy. <laughs> since it's not October, it won't be all at once. Bill nice.
3: and Tobias, since you guys have already seen it, um, what are your kind of like thoughts revisiting
1: it? Um, revisiting it, I still love the humor. Um, it still makes me laugh, just the, the kind of the manic absurdness of it and the references. Um, I would say that when it comes to the humor, that's more your, it's depends on your tastes. But for me personally, I really liked it. I think the only barrier to entry for newer fans, would maybe be that digital paint art style, which Austin is referred to. But overall, I thoroughly enjoy the series. Uh, if you have a Crunchyroll account or a Funimation account, it's on those services. Check them out. Yep.
2: I mean, I yep. would say for myself, I I can't really in good conscience give a blanket recommendation for excel saga in the year of our lord 2018 Uh, like austin said it's going to depend a lot on the person who i'm trying to recommend this to i feel like i would enjoy it differently now having uh a more uh robust knowledge of anime and the anime references uh much in the same way in my experience with furikuri Initially was I didn't really enjoy it as much, just not quite getting a lot of that. Uh, much in the same way, Excel Saga. There was probably be a different appreciation now, but like uh, like 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 Bill and Austin said, like the early early two thousands, DigiPaint paint stuff does not look good. It does not hold up, unfortunately. Uh, but if you can sort of make it through that, and if the humor works for you, I would say it's still worth at least watching some of uh, the first few episodes. Are still legitimately worth it, I would say. Ah, uh, the date sim episode is hilarious. I will hold that opinion to the end of my days. Uh, if you want a little more crazy, I would say watch the last episode. It kind of picks that uh, that dial, you know, turns it up to eleven.
3: They literally made it to to the point that they knew it could not be broadcast. Yes,
2: it is ridiculous, and a lot of the humor in that episode I've kind of grown out of. But when I first found this and wanted one of more a little more edgy stuff, I really thought it was hilarious. Uh, if you like that, I would say try to track down and watch Puny Puny Poemi, uh, this two episode AVA that's based on an anime that's like a joke in the series itself. Uh, like the whole shtick there is they took the 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 singer for Excel and the opening song, uh, Love, Loyalty, and they put it in anime. And the main character, Poemi, Refers to herself as her voice actress Kobayashi. Uh, Navi shows up. There's a lot of like meta humor there, meta humor there with you know the real life actors and their their characters. Uh, it does definitely goes more in the deep end. It goes even crazier than episode 26 of the Cell Saga to the point where it either has been or still is banned in New Zealand. <laughs> uh, I can't find I can't find confirmation if it still is banned. Everything refers to it in the like the past tense. But yeah, it it, it definitely tries to be a little too edgy, so it may not work for everyone. Uh with some of the sexual humor. But it it definitely if you want a more distilled version of Excel saga without watching like twenty-six episodes of this stuff, uh Punipune is the way to go. And uh likewise, like with this with that, you know, I said that my own experience to Excel saga was watching it like, the very first thing I did it my very first anime convention all, oh, you know, Friday morning. So the very next day, Saturday night, uh, I'm trolling the convention halls, trying to find something to, to watch something to enjoy before I eventually make my trek back to the hotel. When I would jump into a screener room and they're showing plenty, Pony, 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 and having no idea that this was, you know, an Excel saga ripoff or anything like that. I sitting watching it. Like I'm standing in the doorway. just kind of like, you know, one foot in just not sure if I want to, you know, step in and actually subject myself to this. And one of the hostel, one of the hotel staff shows up, and he's like, you know, taking the trash out. So he stops by the door and peeks his head in, and I can't remember exactly what he said, but he gave me one of those looks that was just like, "You fucking kids!" <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was, it was pure. It was one of those like, you know, convention moments where yeah. you know, you have the, the the normies. They like, they, they, they kind of get a glimpse into what you guys are doing, and they just. They aren't really sure what to to make of it all, and that's another you know experience that will probably stick with me. Just that guy taking the trash out, watching this little weird little OVA.
1: Oh, sorry to interrupt, slowly. Oh yeah, go ahead. I, I was kind of doing something a sentence. I I just want to add this one quick point uh, as an addendum to what you're saying, Tobias. If you're at a bigger convention, like in amazement or. Otacon or if you're out on the West Coast and you're going to Anime Expo or maybe you live up in Canada and go to Anime North, go check out those screener rooms because you'll find something that you've never watched before. And the screener rooms that I've watched at Animazement, that's where I discovered my favorite animes that I still love today. Like, that's where I discovered my fandom for Lupin the Third. That's where I discovered Grave of the Fireflies. And <laughs> as a weird as a weird uh juxtaposition, but you can find really interesting things in the screener rooms. So oh, if, yeah. if if there's if there's something that you haven't seen before, I highly recommend it. I know within the world where we can find uh everything online, but I think the, the with a screener room at a convention, it's can be just a fun experience of just watching some random show. With a random group of people, it becomes a group, a fun group experience. I oh,
2: highly, yeah, I sure. highly recommend it. Me and too. there's definitely this inertia, like you know, when when I'm at home on my computer and I've got the whole season in front of me for Crunchyroll, there's just that level of like inertia in just starting something. Even hearing about something on like Twitter and seeing hearing how good it is, there's just some sort of inertia with me specifically, like to try to start something. So even though like I've at least familiar with a lot of stuff that are in screener rooms now just taking the time to sit down and actually watch it really kind of like makes the difference there
0: yeah and um because of stuff like that like people thinking oh i don't uh, well it's sort of the the counterpoint um thought process on that it's like a lot of people will not go to the screener rooms because they they know that they can just watch it at home. But I think that's kind of what you were saying, Bill, is kind of like the idea of just going there to watch it with a random group of people and just have fun in that community public space is what makes these screener rooms like a lot of fun. So don't don't think that you shouldn't go see something just because you can watch it at home. Like it's going to be more fun to watch it like at a con with, with people and you're probably going to have a much more enjoyable experience than just sitting watching it at home.
3: That's one of the reasons I refuse to go to the movies by myself is I want to share a first time, especially viewing experience with others. And I think that's one of the few ways we in the community can still kind of reach out to each other in 2018 without it being like through social media or through like this sort of weird networking we were doing is actually like, oh, physically going into a theater space and watching something together. Even if we're not necessarily talking or interacting, there's something very special and communal about that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just to kind of cap this episode off i want to end on this note that opening theme is one of the best opening themes of all time for me i love that song it is quite good it's really good it's one of my favorites and i found myself singing it today while uh, doing some errands thinking about doing this podcast i
0: was just sort of uh singing it to myself like a mad person crossing the street it and really people People listening to this episode will either have already heard a bit of that opening or are about to hear it very soon.
2: Yeah, and uh I think you I don't think we cannot talk about the in, the ending song as well. I I think that's another thing that will stick with me no matter what is poor little Minchie and the layer of Loneliness.
0: <laughs> All right, guys. Well I guess that wraps it up. If you guys are cool to cool to cut. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Glad you guys stuck around to listen to us ramble on about Excel Saga and comedy and anime and seems to always come back around to convention culture. And that's kind of how we like it here. So, yeah, fun stuff. So, uh, Tobias, where can people talk to you about anime?
2: You can talk to me nowhere because I don't want to talk to you about no animes, but if you really insist, you can find me on Twitter at Reverend underscore Tobias or on Facebook at Reverend Tobias. What about you,
3: Sully? If you want to, um, you know, bust down my door and yell at me for insulting the cockroach girl, you can reach me on Twitter at uh, CalvaKun, that's C-A-L-V-A underscore K-U-N, and nowhere else because
0: I have a private life. And you, Mr. (laughs) Foreman?
1: Um, if you want to talk to me about One Piece or just um, where anime, uh, comedy, and anime is going, you can find me on Twitter at wbforman nine nine nine. And just,
0: um, just like the train,
1: just like the train, <laughs> or the numbers. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> just, just pretend that I'm that instead of it being Twitter, it's an AOL chat room because. <laughs> 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 That is that is my Twitter handle and the AOL chat room <laughs> handle, uh, but you can also find our wonderful post things on our Facebook page. Um, I highly recommend going to ThirdImpactAnime.WordPress.com, uh, where we occasionally write some good articles. I think, uh, so get all our stuff and uh, hope everyone. Has a great day or night whenever you're listening.
0: And as for me, you can find find me at Bebop Shock. That's uh, Bebop is in Cowboy Bebop, and Shock is in Bioshock. And you can talk to me about whatever. And uh, this has been another episode of Third Impact Anime. Thanks for tuning in. Let's have a great night.